Welcome back to the 2021 season of the podcast. We've got some fantastic people coming up this year. It is the International Year of Fruit and Vegetables. And we've sort of taken a bit of an angle on, you know, sustainability and working on, you know, what we do, can do better in our business. And it's a bit of a long road for, for a lot of businesses and everyone's trying to do their best. So that's what we've been focusing on for the first part of the year. A lot of restaurants are up and running. And I think that after COVID and we're not through it yet, um, I think that a lot of us are better businesses. We've all looked at internally and, and we've learned lots throughout last year. And here we are off and running again this year. So hang on tight and uh, let's get into it. So today on the podcast, we have an amazing person. She is a friend of mine. I have known her and watched her progress through her career for since nearly the beginning of it. Uh, jo Barrett, she is in the future food system or the greenhouse, you might call it, down there in Melbourne, Federation Square, doing some fantastic work. You'll love this. It is amazing. She's a fantastic person. Sit back, relax and enjoy and welcome back to the broadcast. We are? We're on. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being a part of our little uh, podcast that we do uh, every week. What's going on? Oh, we're sitting in the middle of Fed Square in a house that produces its own food and power. And I never expected that we would be here. Here we are. <laughs> you're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing what the whole world needs to be doing. And you're, you're doing it right, right now. How cool is that? Yeah, it's pretty surreal to be watching people wander past, but we've just been on the roof picking tomatoes and picking up yabbies and grounding on our earthing floor downstairs. So there is such fun. a lot of stuff going on here. Um, it is probably one of the most important things that are going on in the globe that you guys are working on. Um, I can't think that, you know, trying to live sustainably and rewild the world uh, feels like the goal uh, of you guys. So, you know, it's it's like you guys need like a global medal in my opinion. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm just talking shit really, but I'm not. Like this is such an important thing that you guys are doing. So, um, yeah, it must make you feel very proud to be a part of it. Oh, I feel really proud and to be a part of this team and I'm surprised by, you know, it's actually something that everybody can be doing. And it's only out of the ordinary because maybe we're the first ones to pop a house in Fed Square like this. Um, but we're not actually doing anything really crazy. It's still growing food, still cooking food. We've just got it in a really contrasting area. So I think that's why it's quite shocking. It's like reaffirming that, yeah, anyone can be doing this. Anyone could be growing food in, even if they're in an apartment. If you hadn't grown up, planting seeds because you haven't grown up on a farm like that's okay you, you can start now like there's always a time to start which is now what i like about this it's the old techniques and old school things but it's keeping up with technology and it's for the next generations to be able to do it it's those kids there's about 20 30 40 50 kids walking outside on, on school tour or something it's it's this week i think everyone's <laughs> studying the same thing yeah, right. <laughs> there's been school tours all week so, Joe, this is an amazing place. How did you get here? What? Let's you know, because we want to talk about you as much as we can talk about this all day. But um, um, let's let's end back here again. But let's talk about where Joe started. What got you into food? And tell us about this journey of amazing hard work that you've had just to get you know here. Well, I always wanted to be a chef. 
I never, the only other job that I would have wanted to do would be a florist. And I grew up in Templestowe and Blackburn kind of area with um, a beautiful property with no fences and all our neighbours, we all shared a communal vegetable patch. I feel like that has had a huge impact on kind of how I cook and where I am now because my first memories are of being around vegetables and cooking and my neighbours were elderly but I spent a lot of time with them and I was kind of allowed to roam free and I remember picking lemons off the tree and mixing them with sand and then <laughs> um, going over to my next door neighbour's house and helping him in the garden and I must have only been like three and they're just really impactful memories and it wasn't necessarily that my family was very foodie you know my grandmother was a chef and my nan an incredible baker but we never really had elaborate meals or anything like that it was you know vegetables from the garden but I loved the the cooking side of things and then um all through school I I studied cooking and I I wanted to actually leave school and to become a chef and uh, I started I think in year 10 we had to do like an exchange where you go and you work experience so you'd go and I did work experience at a restaurant in Melbourne and I said, oh, I'd love to come and work here after my two, you know, two weeks of experience. And they said, you can come and work here and do your apprenticeship, but you have to finish high school. And I was kind of spewing because all I wanted to do was cook. And at the time I was washing dishes at a local cafe and um, I ended up finishing high school and loved it. And then I think two weeks later, I started my apprenticeship. And it was at Delacy's, which was a restaurant that was 22 years old at the time. And the, you know, we had a bistro downstairs where we'd write our menu every day and head down to the market, pick up produce, and the menu was changing all the time. Then the middle floor was a like a fine dining restaurant, and then upstairs we had a private dining room. We were a tiny, tiny team, and we made everything. And it was... Great start. Yeah, epic. And I learnt really good to, you know, cleanliness and techniques and everything because it was only like three of us, so we had to. And then after a year, um, there was some family issues within the business and they decided to shut. But I was really lucky. I won a scholarship through my apprenticeship and I went to Canada and studied cooking in Canada, in Calgary. Nice. Back the bag. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I did that and then um, that kind of opened me up to a whole different side of cooking that I wasn't aware of you know people transporting scallops from Alaska and um, what it was like to cook in a snowy area because we're in um, the Rocky Mountains everything gets brought in yeah it was really incredible but then springtime would happen and it it kind of I realized that what seasonality was and then what it was to not have that and it really reflected on me how lucky we are in Australia because of our climate and the actually the day that I started my apprenticeship in 2007 I said to my head chef because he goes oh you know what do you want to do do you want to open your own restaurant um I just said oh, I want to be a really good head chef but I want to cook with food from here and I actually meant indigenous ingredients I, I really want to cook with what is growing here and back then it was called bush tucker and it was like wattle seed and lemon myrtle but it had a really big impact on me, especially when I was traveling, because all these people were really into like, this is moose and we're eating a moose and bison and all these animals that we didn't have, but they were really proud of it. And it I kind of kept reoccurring to me, like what we're doing here is really cool, but we're not as proud of it. Um, so when I came back, 
I was like, oh, I really want to cook at a high level and I want to learn wine service in front of house. And I just loved hospitality as a whole. So I did a bit of front of house stuff and then I uh, worked at a few cafes and then I started at Movida um, and realised that I wanted to get a bit into patisserie as well and they were opening a bakery. So I went and worked at the bakery and that's how I started into, I guess, more patisserie and baking. How important is that, that beautiful, that, that bit, you know, to travel and to see a different perspective? I, I encourage Scarlett was going to, to travel and she ended up coming to work for me because of corona, actually. But... Um, yeah, it's so important for everyone, I think, just to go and do that. How long were you there for? Uh, eight or nine months I because I, I missed the beach. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I was 19. I was young. It was the first, like, big stint away from home. and Six I, weeks is a long time when you're that old, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it felt like forever. I yeah. had no money. <laughs> <laughs> and because I was on apprenticeship wages back here, mm. I was cleaning the restaurant to get extra money. So before work, I would clean the restaurant every day and then I saved half of what I made and I think I made, it was ridiculous, something like (laughs) (laughs) $12,000 for the whole time. So I went over there with little or no money and then was studying and I worked at a French restaurant after I finished school and I had won another scholarship when I was in Calgary through TAFE or through school and um, that allowed me to stay on a little bit longer as well. So I worked and um, spent a lot of time in the Rocky Mountains. But, it, yeah, again, it just kept occurring to me how lucky we were here with fresh produce. And, yeah, I miss my family. I'm really close to my family. So came home and it was awesome. I, I straight away I remember landing and planting vegetables, you know. Wow. <laughs> so then you were off biking. Yeah, I have a really... I guess I've realised now it's probably not as important, but a a big part of me is if I wanted to be a really good head chef, I would have to know every section of the kitchen. So if people came to me with questions, I could have the answer. And I hated patisserie. When I started my apprenticeship, I'd always get stuck on like the petty four section. I used to do my head in, I'd get screamed at to hurry up and I'd always avoid doing pastry work and I hated that I didn't want to do it. So I decided that why if I'm avoiding it this much and then people are asking me, like, I can't rely on, I didn't want to rely on someone else. So I threw myself in and was like, I'm going to have to learn this. So I'd only went to study, um, like, work in a bakery because I wanted to make bread in a restaurant and make really good bread. I remember, actually, yeah. I remember when you were were working big hours, weren't you, there? Yeah, at Tivoli Road, we yeah, were, it yeah. was originally Movida, and I think when you open any business, you work a lot. Yeah. But it was, I mean, I'd gone from working nights to waking up at two in the morning, and I mean, you know, being <laughs> being at the markets, yeah. but yeah, waking up at two, riding my bike, baking, and the physicality of it was incredible. I remember yeah. I was always scared of pastries because it's such an exact science. A lot of the time, I think it's maybe moved away a little bit, but it's sort of back when you learn it, it's such a, you've got to have your weights right and everything right to get it to work. And if you don't do that, and I was never good at getting stuff right, I'd rather do savoury work and, well, vary a little bit in ingredients. So I can see the challenge and why it would have been scary for pastry. Yeah, I'd never, I think I'd made maybe four loaves of bread. I kind of faked a little bit to get into the bakery Mm -hmm. and then... 
within two weeks. I it was the whole time that I was baking, which I think all up maybe like four four years, four or five years, broken up a little bit. It was a love hate thing. I was like, I love baking bread and pastries and the alchemy, but I can't stand how sometimes it's really monotonous. And the f- I was just so tired. I was a walking zombie. I used to fall asleep at dinner. I'd be sitting at the table, fall asleep, and there's been a few times where I'd start sleep talking, and Matt would be like, "What are you doing?" You'd be adding eggs in your sleep. Yeah, and like waking up, needing brioche. <laughs> like, so the whole time it was very much love hate. And when I decided to stop baking, it was really hard. But then I felt physically more healthy. Yeah. And I'm really happy that I did it because I draw on those skills constantly. Yeah, it's a great base, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I was a baker for 12 hours. And <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where, where did we end up after that? Was it, did you go to Sydney or something after that? Where? Yeah, so I finished up at Tivoli Road and um, I had a partner and then we kind of separated. And I had met Matt in 2012 when he did the greenhouse. And through baking and work that I'd done with Michael James, we were really produce heavy, like chose great producers and I loved that even in baking the flour was considered the dried fruit was considered the butter was considered everything was well sourced and ethical and then I was growing food at home and uh, then I had heard about Yoast and Matt and what they were doing and um, just loved it I was like I want to be involved in that we were a very thrifty family never wasted anything so I went down to the pop-up in 2012 and I met Yost and Matt and did some work at the pop-up greenhouse on Queensbridge. And then I, after that, uh, they, everyone just looked so happy that I decided to finish up baking. Um, and I did a bit more travel. I spent heaps of time in Brazil and um, travelled around a little bit. And then I uh, moved into a house where Matt was living and he was like, hey, I'm doing this pop-up in... Sydney, do you want to come? And another friend was doing it. So we moved up to Sydney for about five months, six months and did a pop-up restaurant. And the whole scene around native ingredients had completely changed. And because I was in the bakery world, I'd almost missed it. And then Matt was cooking with all of these native ingredients that I hadn't heard of. And I was like, this is what I want to be doing. This is what I had said I wanted to be doing. And then Matt is really doing it. And we just had the same kind of ethos and beliefs and really like, kicked off a great friendship with around kind of based around food and cooking. So we did that um, and then came what back. That, what was that restaurant called? Stanley Street Merchants. That's where you met. We came in. Yeah. 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 So Scarlett and I, I remember in. that day oh, that you came in. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> you sat at the bar yeah. and we had desserts in Leeds maybe. <laughs> yeah. um, and we had like little crickets. Yeah, yeah, you ate your first cricket then, yes. yeah. And we had marshmallows with ants on them. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, yeah. Yeah, that was a daddy-daughter weekend, darling. <laughs> Take it to my friend's restaurant. Um, yeah, awesome. So that was, a, was that six months? Yeah, we probably just about six months, yeah, five okay. months, and then we came back, and I actually went back to baking for a little while. I went back to Tivoli Road, and um, Matt was working at Silo, which then went into Brothel. And I started doing some work at Brothel. Uh, and then we had a plan that I started getting really into freshly milling grain. And, you know, Yost was already doing that at Silo and we were doing it at the bakery. 
and I uh, started doing some shifts at brothel and we bought our own flour mill and we thought, oh, let's open our own wholesale bakery and we'll start wholesaling bread and we'll make enough money and we'll open a restaurant because brothel was going through the period where there was heaps of troubles around the compost machine and Yost was deciding to wrap it up. And then Matt and I kind of thought, yeah, we'll do a wholesale business and we'd, we're looking at a space over in Brunswick. And then it fell through. Um, and Yo said, oh, there's this winery looking for a chef. Like, why don't you go talk to Oak Ridge? So we went out to Oak Ridge and we drove up and we're like, wow, this looks pretty corporate. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Yo's got some free wine. <laughs> <laughs> but look at all this space. Um, like, there's just so much potential here for gardening and you know growing up in Templestowe in that Blackburn area I had I knew about the Yarra Valley I'd, I'd always assumed that that's kind of where you go for family birthday parties and um, winery restaurants were kind of really cool but also a bit naff like the food was always a bit naff and, and that I guess when I started cooking Yarra Valley and wineries were where food was at and then it had really died away like died mm. off so we were, we were really hesitant, but then decided, well, if we could have a garden, let's do it. Because what else are we going to do at the moment? And then Tony and Alana, the owners of Oak Ridge, were like, if you, you can have a garden if, and come and work. So we started at Oak Ridge and six weeks later, we plowed up where the helicopters used to land and we planted our first garden. That's why I didn't come, because I couldn't land my chopper there. No, <laughs> I, I, no, I did come. I did come. You and did I got come. there just after you'd plowed up and there was just a few things growing. And man, that... that came along really, really quickly, as you're doing right here. That must have been producing a lot of produce, putting people like me out of business. Well, <laughs> they, the area that we put the garden was actually where they were dumping heaps of grape mark and there were some gum trees kind of stopping a wind block, but it used to just be kind of a sludgy area where they would just dump uh, compost, really. So the soil was perfect and it was a really nice kind of flat area and... Yarra Valley soils are incredible. So it was really easy to turn it up. It was full of worms. It's a really productive area. And Adrian Guerin, who had just come on at the same time as us, who is a viticulturalist and grew up in a viticulturalist family, the Guerins are really well known around the Yarra Valley. And he was really into planting fruit and vegetables. At his house, he just wanted to have a market garden. So the three of us just, it was unreal. <laughs> The first time we planted it, it was all horizontal, but it was collecting water. So then about three months after that, we kind of started to harvest. We changed the beds around, started planting the other way, and start, we were able to grow seven times more food than what we had started with. Simple change. Yeah, and then the first summer, we harvested so much food that we, we didn't know what to do with it. We had the cellar door. We were giving away tomatoes. I remember, well, I, I was too far away, but every time you guys put something up that was cool, a little photo, I'd just get all these orders for it. It's like, ah, oh, saw this on Instagram. <laughs> it's still a problem where people grow one thing in their yard and take a photo of it and all of a sudden it becomes a commercial product. But it's not really. Well, I mean, that garden was, it changed everything for us because it was really difficult to find staff at Oak Ridge when we started. And the culture of just seating hundreds of people all at once and <laughs> uh, like a million dockets coming through. It just was horrible when yeah, we started. Yeah. Uh, like the first year was terrible and I, I remember Matt going, I can't do this. 
and just wanted to walk out. And I was like, let's just do a year. Let's see how we go. Yeah. And what was it four, five years? Yeah, it's been. We end up doing five years. <laughs> but the garden was what attracted people. Yeah. Like that's how we ended up with that incredible team. Didn't you make some wine as well? Yeah, we made two batches of wine. We made Amble, which was a Sauvignon Blanc from Seville, and then Matt went on and made another wine at Oak Ridge called what was it called? Garden Gris. Yeah. Nice. Which ended up winning. Best wine in Australia. Best wine in Australia. Yeah. Wow. Stop it. Overachiever. Yeah. Stone. <laughs> wow. So five years and then and then then we're here. Well, kind of the, at the same time that we started at Oak Ridge, Yoast had a, said to Matt and I, how do you feel about living in a house that produces all its own food and power and living in the house as an example of what could be possible in an urban environment? The house will be zero waste as it always is with Yoast projects. And we can see how much food and how nutrient dense that food could be in a domestic environment rather than relying on traditional agriculture and and farmers really, like maybe take a bit of stress off that and put the onus back on the people eating it and connect people back to their food system. And I was like, well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> one sentence. <laughs> yeah. You know Yoast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. Um, how about, um, what happened to, um, I hope this is not a sensitive question, what happened to Pickle? Pickles. Yeah. She's at home oh, uh, at the at other house with our housemate. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We were actually going to bring her in today, and then we're lucky we didn't because the chickens are here. Ah, oh, <laughs> So she's visited. Pickle, boy, or girl. She's a girl. Yeah, yeah, girl. Yeah, she's been here a few times. Loves it, but yeah. she's a Jack Russell, so it doesn't turn off. How do you look after yeah. you? How do you look after your health? How do you balance this? Because as much as you love it, are you able to just do it on the run, or how do you, you know, what do you do to? You know, get get some energy. What do you do for exercise? What do you do for your mental health? Or is it just so bloody healthy here that you don't need to? You can just drink <laughs> yeah, water as much as you want. You just sit here and kind of suck it in. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's sort of the case. I actually always ask that question, but I feel like you're living the real thing where a lot of guys are actually in kitchens and they're in, you know, steel and it's not favourable for, for health really. So um, it's a little bit different here, and I guess that's why they call it the future. Well, why this was so appealing was because I really noticed from going from a bakery and a steel environment, as much as bread and bread making is very romantic, it's the same as cheese making. It's very romantic, but really it's stainless steel and heavy, hot ovens, sweaty. You get really dirty because of flour everywhere. Um then going to the Yarra Valley and having the garden at your back door. Like by the end of that, we had three gardens and a greenhouse. Just being in nature like that, where you get to work, you, I mean, you'd go and pick up your milk from the dairy farmer and then, you know, go to Timborough Farm, another farm, go and pick the vegetables in your own garden and then come inside. I really noticed a shift in my body and having just regular kind of working hours again. I felt amazing. What, what do you think the advice is there for people who run traditional restaurants, who pay people by the hour, who get suppliers like myself and other people who do things? I mean, I've always talked about, you know, how people can come to work and do their how many hours. And then on either side of that, you know, you've always worked hard outside of work. It's a matter of starting early and finishing late. But doing those sort of things, picking up 
you know, milk or whatever it might be, or coming to a market or growing their own veg. Is that is that the answer, or is because a lot of people and businesses they can't actually expect their staff to do more than you know the, the required hours. I guess it's people's selection, really, isn't it? Um, I think it has to do with uh, this tiny little things actually have a huge impact and don't underestimate them. So going to the dairy farm to pick up the milk, even though it was sometimes a real pain in the ass, like we'd have to start earlier to do that. But going there, breathing in that air, seeing the animals, you come back, but you felt more energised so you'd work quicker. And, it, I mean, it did take time, but then you care more about what you're doing so you, you're more focused. It, it's more about the mental breaks. They're actually, like, mum always says this, and she, she'll listen to this and laugh, but mm-hmm. if you hold up a glass and it's full of water and you just keep holding it up, your arm's going to get tired and weak and you're only probably going to be able to hold it up for an hour. But then if you held that up and then put it down for a couple of seconds every 15 minutes, you could probably hold that glass all day. So it's about having mental breaks all the time to be more efficient. And I think that it's like, yeah, kind of deciding things with intention, not just, I don't know, working like a dog all the time. I think the, yeah. the whole world, I think, you know, during COVID and everything, we, we sort of changed how we look at work. I think it's probably ended up being a favourable type thing now. Um, but what you're doing with that balance of, of work and play, do you think that, that that's the future? Yeah, I mean, you can see people not wanting to return to offices. I mean, half of the places in here are still empty because people are more efficient in their homes in their own time. So I think it'll definitely have an impact mm. for sure. You can see it with people wandering down here, but I, I think it's people returning to nature more. I feel like I, I've always thought that this is how everyone would want to live. Like my mum lives out in the middle of nowhere and has a vegetable patch, a dog, you know, make, well, used to make her own stuff more so, but not so much anymore. But it's like living the dream. But I thought everyone would want this exact house and I can't wait to order one. So <laughs> market. But... Um, well, yeah. it used to do, at the start, I really loved, like, people would come to Oak Ridge and they'd go, oh, I just love. You could see the instant change in people. They'd come, they'd sit, they'd look out onto a view, they'd wander around the garden. You could see people change instantly. They'd be like, oh, love this. And then they'd start talking about their childhood. We used to grow this. My nan used to pick that. You could see it really has an impact on them. And then they would go, my dream is to have a farm. And at the start, I really loved it. And then by the end of my time, they would do my head in because everyone would come and say that. And I would be like, well, why is no one actually doing that? Mm. Everyone wants the same thing, but no one is doing it. No one really gets it to, to do it now. And I'm probably the same. I live in a house with not much garden, but I'm around fruit and bread all the time. So mm. I um, steal it from work. But yeah, it's lots of plants, but not a lot of edible stuff, um, apart from a few herds. But yeah, I think that is a good question. Why aren't people doing it? And I think that this is obviously going to show them how to do it, isn't it? I think there's a f- like there's shame. Either people are too ashamed to try because it's assumed that you should know how to do it all. Yeah. Which that's so ridiculous. Like, who actually gets to grow up on a farm? Not many of us. People grow up in apartments and. It's assumed that you should know how to grow something, but you're not taught that, really. It should be a subject at school to learn how to raise your own food, to feed yourself, because that's the basic things we need, are shelter and food and water. They should be the things that you learn at school, firstly. 
So I think that's that people are ashamed that they might not know that there's a misconception that it's really hard and a lot of work and that you have to constantly do it. But I think what this project shows is it can be convenient, but you have to be a part of it. And we've just really become disconnected from the food system. Like you'd see that all the time with people ordering produce out of season. Mm. Yes. Yeah, just really disconnected and, or I want everything the same size, the same ripeness every week. So like, when you guys were doing this, um, you know, did you, did you actually know what you were doing completely? And I know the answer is no, right? But I think a lot of people are scared of that and scared of, you know, to look silly or whatever. But I think having a go is, is what, what it's all about, really. Yeah, this project has changed a lot from that initial time of you saying, do you want to live in this house? That house was actually in Callista. And then over the five years, there's been different places around Melbourne and, you know, different areas around Australia that this house could potentially go and it's only kind of at the start of COVID, just before that Fed Square approached Yost and said, what about doing the house at Fed Square? So for us, that meant the whole project changed from the initial idea. It wasn't living in a house, building content, making a documentary and still going to work. This meant that for us, we were like, well, we're in a really public space. Maybe there's the potential to invite people into the house and experience it. So we were never going to be offering dinners or tours. And now our time is actually really taken up by preparing food for 14 people because we're cooking, we're cleaning, we're preparing, washing windows, mm. like doing everything. So the ideas change all the time and we are every day is different like every dinner service is different because you don't know who's coming in like, <laughs> yost right rock up with chickens and like, <laughs> that's changed like today. the day <laughs> um, so there must have been lots of failures on the way can you think of one that you went actually i thought that was this way but now i know it's this one i've learned lots from it there's a bit of big like oh my god with this project yeah, yeah, yeah. or even just a lot um there's been heaps of Pivoting, that's the word of the year. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, I sort of embrace yeah. mistakes as well and just, you know, okay, you know, once upon a time we, we I thought I was buying 1,500 um, continental cucumbers, but I ended up with like 1,500, <laughs> you know, trucks of it just about. So all of a sudden I was like, okay, well, you'll learn to do zeros properly and, and sell it. So sometimes, but you know, you get the best things out of mistakes. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to know if there was anything in particular that you um, – it's, uh, I guess, managing people's expectations. Sometimes there's been a few mistakes around that or, um, I mean, there's cooking mistakes all the time. But for me, that's my best way to learn about cooking because of that experience with the bakery where you have to learn how every ingredient works. That has really helped here because uh, you have to look at an ingredient on its own and the qualities of that. But here you don't have some of those staples that you could always fall back on, like flour, dairy, sugar. So we've made heaps of cooking mistakes and learnt from them. But, you know, some awesome dishes have come out of that. Three favourite things in the garden right now. I'm scrapping my questions. <laughs> Three favourite things in the garden right now. Oh, I'm really loving that our tomatoes are ripening. That's awesome. It's taken a very long time. Sweet potato uh, leaves are amazing edible we're using those as like a little beetle leaf taco and apples i'm gonna say four 
because uh, apples are fruiting and capsicum. Capsicum is my favorite food. You, I ate a capsicum yesterday. It was the crunchiest thing I've ever eaten. Wow. Green capsicum, yeah. And what about the what about the the let's call the meat, the fish, the seafood? What? Yeah, the aquaponics is by f- oh, actually shit. No, <laughs> I love it all. Uh-huh. No, the aquaponics and mushroom walls, they're like as two protein sources. Aquaponics has been incredible, especially we started off with trout and kind of yabbies and it was pretty cold water, but the introdu- introduction of uh, barramundi where they live at 25 to 27 degrees and seeing how a warm water system works has been mind boggling because you go down there and they're still alive. And now it was like, we're never going to be out of like a warm water fish here, but it's, that's, it's working. And the mushroom wall has been a huge le- learning experience. We've, there's been times where the weather gets hot and we've killed the whole wall of mushrooms and then can't bring them back. Yeah. So every day has been a learning experience with that because I've never seen a mushroom wall before. <laughs> no. What do you do with them if they if they all go to shit? We put them into mushroom stocks and we've been drying them into powder Making as well. any of those extractions and getting on the Like the a tincture? Yeah. No, it's more powders and we're finding eating them is the same as having a tincture. So I think it was... What was it, Yost? 10 grams of mushroom a day, which is one gram of tincture. Yeah, right. If you just ate 10 grams of mushroom, it's the same amount. So we're actually growing them, so we're just eating the mushroom. So that's your secret. Any other drugs you guys take? <laughs> my memory's out of control. I'll see these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making right everything on my hand before I leave. Yeah, I think it's the biochar in the walls. That sucks all the toxins out, so you do feel pretty good. Yeah. Too many beers. That's a lot. What about... Yeah. Um, what what can what can restaurants do right now? Like if they're in a restaurant, what can they do right now to learn from this amazing experiment that you have here? Which is not an experiment. I guess well, it is an experiment. It definitely yeah, it's an experiment. The thing I'm finding because we were using e water systems at Oak Ridge, which were no chemicals, and going back in between, I worked at a bakery that was still spraying chemicals. That is something that is uh, like money saving as well as environmentally saving it's you're having it near your food so getting an e-water system to cut that stuff out is something that is beneficial in so many ways for hospitality where do you get them from um you just look up e-water system and buy a unit beautiful and then uh just growing herbs reduce plastic that herbs get wrapped up in that's another really easy simple one what other ways are you reducing plastic because i know that's a huge one buying in bulk yeah that wholesale wholesale is awesome and i mean you're doing it with biodegradable bags like really thinking about what food comes in is a huge thing then you have to worry about it that you don't have to actually have the inconvenience of managing waste after it's way more convenient if we just didn't do it at the start yeah um we're not steal all the yost uh, podcasts and ask him too many questions but um are you gonna eat the mealworms Nah. <laughs> Are you becoming no, attached only... to all the animals? <laughs> no, only because we had mealworms when Matt and I did Stanley Street Merchants. We would deep, deep fry them as a bar snack, no. and I actually don't like the taste of them. Okay. And these ones are bigger than those ones, so I can imagine they're even more, like, mothbally. They like a styrofoam flavour? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, taste like dust you throw to me. <laughs> uh, so what's next for, for Joe? What's next? 
Uh, I don't know. This is the first time in a very, very long time due to the effects of COVID. You don't know what's going to happen. But also we've been planning so long for this project that it's really nice to just be present and do it. Mm. Otherwise, if we start planning what's next, it's going to take our attention away from this. And this is so special. I want to enjoy this for the rest of our lives. So I don't want to think about what's next. I probably have that. a sleep. That's I've, probably I've just read The Power of Now and I'm just obsessed with the, the moment now. I can't even, don't want to think about the next Yeah. Well, that's why I struggle with these questions, actually. <laughs> mm. What's a common myth about your profession? Um, I always get classified as like a really technical person. Like, I think I'm technical, but... Uh, like quite creative as well in, I don't know. That's probably a bit of a misconception. How do you stay really fit? Because, you know, you and Matt, not fat. That's, <laughs> that's a T-shirt. <laughs> you know? Um, I love exercise. So yeah. it's, I love doing yoga. I dive quite a bit so and swim and run. I love being outside and feeling physical that's probably something that i've been struggling with this mm -hmm. project it has been so consuming i've done yoga once since i've um since january which is pretty weird i would try and do it every day wow. um or like a couple times a week so yeah. to not do that it's pretty hard and not being able to get to the beach like has been i really enjoy swimming and being by the beach so that's been pretty hard because you got it pretty right. By the time you were sort of got through that hard bit at Yogridge, you were in a bit of a groove there, weren't you? We had sort of regular days off. and Yeah, we're swimming all the time, running all the time, heaps of yoga, diving, fishing, all the stuff that I really loved. It was perfect balance. Yeah. So I know that we'll find that with this, but it, we also knew that it was going to be quite consuming. So I'm fine to do it now. It's just making sure I get a sleep in and maybe go for one run a week. But I am doing the Overland track next week. Oh, in Tassie. Nice. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I was just there. Did yeah. you do the Overland? No. Oh. <laughs> no. But I did the first little bit of it. Oh, the Cradle Mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, that's like six days, yeah. yeah? Yeah, so I'm packing my bag tonight for... I leave next Monday night. The Wombats are amazing. I love them. Pretty it. excited. Yeah, that is... Um, yeah, you'll get some beautiful air down there. Mm. So just you? Was... I'm going with my mum. So oh. we'd planned it for like quite a long time. And yeah. with COVID... Obviously, lots of stuff got cancelled and then to rebook was, was really popular. Uh, so I know that this project necessarily, like specifically this one, won't be forever, but something with my family is pretty important. So to take a time out as people are getting older, you know, mum's, I think, 64, so still really physically active and we just want to capitalise on that time together. Yeah. So I'm going with her. And then after the hike, doing a two-day camping trip with Annalise Gregory, Gregory and Alana Sapwell. Wow. So we're going fishing for two days. Girls, doing it. Yeah. Um, Poor Matt. I, I, I do have questions <laughs> here, but I think one, one of the ones as good is, um, what advice do you have for young cats coming into the game? Chef game. Uh, learn lots of skills. Like, uh, don't rush it. Like, actually enjoy the time where you can learn and make mistakes and it's okay. A lot of people start an apprenticeship or get into hospitality and think that automatically you have to be, you have to know everything. And the best part about just living in general is learning and don't get caught up because it is really easy to get caught up in social media because you only put up things that are perfect and 
you know, you don't often see the mistakes or the amount of cleaning or dishes or emptying compost and stuff like that. You don't really grasp that, but embrace those things and, yeah, don't, otherwise you just don't last in the industry. Yeah, because yeah, it's, you know, I actually can get joy out of, you know, cleaning the toilet, quite frankly, because if you do it and you do it well, then it's actually something that's a beautiful thing. Like, oh, you're even, doing it for someone and, oh, washing, and for yourself. And yeah. washing the dishes isn't such a bad thing. The swooshing of the water. The, I think if you think about it and enjoy that moment, you can make the dullest thing. And that's what I like about generally when I'm looking for people to work with or whatever, I always say... You know, I always get them to do a really manual task early to make sure that they can, mm. you know, they want to be able to do that. Oh, is that uh, why you got me in the back? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why, you know, I've, I've had Billy, you know, who's came from, you know, media stuff. I said, oh, I need you to clean toilets and people come around. No worries. You didn't even hesitate. Mm. You know, that's the sort of people I like having around me. And oh, yeah. I think if, and, and if you can enjoy it and do it properly, it doesn't matter what it is, then you'll end up doing everything really, really well. I, I totally agree. Nothing is above anyone, yeah. you know, like vacuuming cleaning toilets it's yeah. there's joy in such simple things and monotony as well because cooking is that really like for 14 people it's not you prep one thing but for a lot of kitchens you're doing the same job over and over for quite a long time yeah. so you yeah, don't they're really valuable skills mm. i've known you for a long time it's a real pleasure to watch you grow as a woman and a human and uh, i feel very privileged to be able to talk to you today and um, I, I encourage people to follow your journey. What is your Instagram, Joe? Just uh, at Joe Barrett. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> I think more people can continue with this story and, and check you out there and, and watch, watch how this plays out. But enjoy every moment and pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thanks for making the effort to come down. Our pleasure. Thank you.